Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the A to Z Sports Preds Nashcast, aka the Pekka Rene Statue Planning Advisory Committee. I am your host, Alex Darty, and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Link. Today on the show, the Preds will face the Carolina Hurricanes in round one of the 2021 Stanley Cup Finals. Link and I are going to discuss the ways in which the Preds can and cannot win that series. And also, Monday night in Bridgestone Arena was an amazing moment uh, for Pecorine and for the Preds fans that were in attendance, uh, or anyone who watched. Um, he may have played his last game for the Preds. Lots to unpack about the future of him and uh, and everything that happened there. But So we're going to talk about what that game meant for, for Preds fans and for Pecorine and the franchise overall. But um, Link, how are you doing? Are you, are you happy to be a part of this uh, statue planning advisory committee? I, I couldn't be more excited. I'm looking forward to discussing materials, locations, poses, identifying the best artists. This could be the most important thing I do in my lifetime. It, 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 your immediate thought, where it should go? Where, where should it go? Oh, it, it should be in the plaza right outside the main entrance of Bridgestone Arena. I, I think we've talked about this actually I mean, on we, this Yeah, show. we have. I, and my, <laughs> my opinion has not changed. It should be front and center. It should be featured. I, you know... There's a little bit of you have to make a decision with players. I know this is going right into our main topic today. Yeah, yeah. Or not our main topic, but our first topic. Uh-huh. Uh, you gotta, you, you have the ability to pick your legends to a degree. And yeah, the player has to have made a significant mark. Uh, and I think we can kind of do both with Pecorino. He has made his mark in a number of ways. Not just his play in the ice, but also his presence on the team, his presence in the community. Uh, he's just absolutely beloved. And I think the fans, as we saw on Monday, have decided that this is this is this is a, a person and a hockey player everyone can rally behind. It it was one of my favorite moments. I honestly it's one of my favorite moments I've ever watched at that arena, and that includes a lot of really pretty crazy moments, but um, I, I, just before we get into it, were you watching, uh, you weren't there, were you? I, no, I was not. I am, okay, I'm okay. still on full blown puppy duty. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so you, but you were watching, uh, the broadcast. I yes. Assume? Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I hope that it was, that it was really kind of clearly communicated via broadcast. I know that's difficult. Um, I think that they were, sh- I know that they showed most of the, of the sort of lap around the, the, the ice at the end, um, with minimal, you know, over talk from mm-hmm. the play by play people. But, um, I hope that it was a communicating like how, how like just energized it was. Oh, I mean, you could hear it. You could hear that it was a little bit different whenever Pekka did anything and they would cut in on with the cameras. They would cut in on Pekka quite frequently, way more than normal, uh, yeah. making it really obvious that, you know, you could see him looking around, you could see him, uh, you know, he's always, always smiling. He's always excited. Uh, but it just was, there was something different. There was a, there was a brightness to his eyes that he, he knew there was something special. Uh, you know, it, 
the the wild thing is we don't really know that this was his last game starting you know for the predators yeah he could right. he could play games in the playoffs we don't know he could sign a one-year extension we don't know um but because the fans don't know they're going to give him the send-off and if he go- comes back for another year they'll celebrate it and they'll give him another send-off <laughs> right. I mean, that's just the guy he is like as long as he wants to be here the fans are gonna have him we're gonna have him and they're gonna send him off in the right way every time yeah, I, I that you that's exactly right. And you know, first the <clears throat> the performance, you know, it, you, you don't always get this. This is what what happened on Monday night was pretty rare for a lot of reasons, but one of which was that the the performance on the ice was like so great. I mean, 30 saves, his 60th shutout, which he's try, been trying to get to that 60th shutout for a while. Uh, lots of really quality shots from Carolina who who did not who didn't rest all of their forwards. I mean, Aho played, Terabinen played, Trocek played. Uh, and he had at least a couple highlight reel saves for this season, you know, great saves in front. So like he was not only at the center of the attention and from the fans perspective, but he was a crucial part of the game and was a big part of why they won. So it was like everything just came together. It was just, it was so perfect. And and that was also such a, a wild sort of nerve wracking game to go into. Once you saw the teams that were being iced, uh, you're like, oh man, yeah. is is how is Pekka going to weather this? You're missing the three top defensemen, yeah. three, the, the, maybe one of the best top three groupings you could find in the NHL on any given day. Oddly enough, Carolina having maybe the other top three group of defensemen you can find in the NHL on any given day. Right. Um, you know, a lot of kids playing, a lot of guys getting their feet back beneath them and still kind of finding, you know, coming back from injury and continuing to get fitness. Uh, and they did a they did a good job. I mean, the Predators went out there and put on a, a in kind of a chaotic, <laughs> impressive show and made it happen. Um, it was such a strange game to end the season on, even as, yeah. as we were celebrating. I kind of wonder if, if Carolina were a little bit afraid to score. Because <laughs> uh, you know you put one past Pekka on a day like this. I mean, the team is eat you up. All it's going to do is make the fans even more against you, if that's possible. Yeah. It's going to make the Predators on the ice tighten up and just want to make a statement because they're there for their their guy in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something crazy. I mean, it, I don't know if they can capture that in a series. It'd be right. interesting if they could. Yeah. I, don't know if that's even possible. Yeah, it's weird because, like, you know, if if that if they if the Predators hadn't clinched the playoffs, if they if they weren't going to make the playoffs this year, and you have that kind of a game, it feel it would feel different because it would feel like it would it wouldn't be bittersweet. It would just feel like this is how the season's supposed to end. Um, but now that there's this like strange energy because now you you know that you've got more games coming and you've got a playoff series to win, it did feel different. So I think my favorite part about it and and aside from everything you said about how important Rene is to the franchise. And, and I mean, he, he changed, he changed goaltending in a lot of ways. He changed the way that the predators uh, franchise direction even went. I mean, like he's, he's such a huge part of it. I think probably my favorite part though, is that every single like ounce of energy in that building about Pecorine was entirely organic Everything about it was real. The team, the organization, for 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 once, had really nothing to do with that atmosphere. Yeah, it it was entirely fan generated. 
and, and that made for a better product. I mean, so many times, how many times does this team just try to manufacture emotional tension or, or hype or something, and it just doesn't work? Yeah, I've talked about this before, but I was at the game for the first ever standing ovation TV timeout. Uh huh. That was, and that was another instance of the organization, the front office having nothing to do with it. I don't right. even remember how it started. Like we in the stands just decided that this is what we're going to do. And we <laughs> did it. And then like after a while, the the franchise tried to then make it a thing. And like, you know, it was already fun. So we were glad to go along, but like it is I, I, the things that make a team greater than just a franchise since we have these franchise systems everything's owned by millionaires billionaires but what makes these things special is is, are these fan moments are these times that the folks in the stands can rally around something everyone collectively believes in and then they can make things happen they can get in the other team's head they inspire their own players Mm -hmm. you know we, we you know i saw that during that standing ovation tv timeout years ago i think we saw that you know, on, on Monday again with, with Pekka uh, and a big part of that, I mean, the, the standing ovation that happened during the, the TV time in the third period was again, that was, that was basically the fans giving him a set off. It wasn't even a rallying cry. It was, right. it was 14 years <laughs> of thank yous. Yeah, exactly. Pouring yeah. out of a bunch of, of every heart that was in there. It was really yeah, this- just an incredible thing to witness. And, and whether you're trying to be a fan or whether you're trying to be more of the detached media type where you know you're, you're supposed to have a certain decorum mm-hmm. it affects you all the same yeah for sure i, I don't it, no no one was unaffected that night and i i, I think also you know I, the, the the thing the things that i was thinking about in the the emotional tension the the, the smash the the standing ovation thing you brought up is a perfect example <clears throat> especially as something that was organic and then became contrived over the years and now kind of means nothing i mean like it it, it happens and you know, everyone has to tweet. It's like mandated that everyone has to tweet about it. Everyone's got to talk about it. It's got to become this thing. And like, you know, it, and then if they score a goal after it, it's like, oh, look how this, but it, it's not the same as what it once was. And, and then the other things are like, I mean, you know, a lot of it came out during the, this 2017 cup run. Um, I mean, the, the, the Anthem singer stuff felt like, initially just kind of a, a spur of the moment. Hey, we're going to have Carrie Underwood sing it or whatever, whoever even was the first one. I don't even remember. And then it was like this, just, just musical chairs of like, who wants to come out and do it? And it became this whole thing. And, and there's that, that bothered me to no end. The, the mm-hmm. towel waving, same thing with that. The glorious song, all that stuff just became, now it's like every third period they play that song. And it's like, this means nothing now. You have killed the meaning out of this. Sometimes sometimes the thing is right the one time and you don't need it anymore. Exactly. Let, no, let I, things breathe. Let <laughs> let the let the spirit of things breathe a little bit. I think part of it is like I also think about um now I've I've only been to a handful of these, but I'm sure you've I don't I don't know if you've been to any actually at all, but uh like European soccer games. All of the stuff that happens is entirely fan generated, right? All of the all of the cheers, all of the 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 atmosphere that happens there. There's no there's no game ops, right? I mean, the one the games that I went to when I was in in England for a, a half a year, w- there was no game ops. There was no people yeah, rallying you, the fans. Yeah, you may have a walkout. Like teams have a walkout song. Uh huh. 
and that's really it. And, and you know, there are like the, the coordination is is with the fan groups, the supporter groups who put up the the tifos and things like that, and yeah. all the signs, like all the a lot of the signage you even see is made by fans in a lot of cases. Right. I mean, right, you can right, tell right. the official stuff and the fan stuff pretty easily in some cases because the official stuff tends <clears> to be like, you know, we are, you know, or what did I'm trying to think of what Tottenham had like, like we can't smile without you on the like on the covers of the seats and stuff like, well, everything's been locked out. I mean, stuff like that. It's, mm. it's obvious who's doing what, but it's not produced to the same level in any sort of way. And I think, you know, so there's, it's been, the comparison has been made before that, you know, a, a Predators game is some somewhere between an SEC football game and like a European soccer game. And I just feel like that comparison misses the mark because of things like that. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's too much of it these days is, is team or organization yeah. focused. I, I would say a Predators game is, is, and I mean this in the best possible way, it's somewhere between an SEC football game and an AHL hockey game. Because uh, <laughs> AHL game ops is like, they just throw out anything. They <laughs> they just like, would it be weird if we did this? Yeah, let's do it. And they'll right. just go with it. Right, right, uh, right. So that's kind of, but it works. It works and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except I still hate the art, the stupid like noise meters that are that everyone knows are not real, but people cheer for anyways. Yeah, right. That right. bugs me to no end for some reason. It's a, like a pet peeve. Yeah. <laughs> um. So just to just to conclude on that, the the, the final I was going to say the the final skate around the ice that that Pecorino made was, I think one of the reasons it was so special is no one knew that was coming. It came out of nowhere. It, and it felt so genuine. He just he just did it. I mean, he was he says he was told to do it, or uh, he said one of Brad Richardson said, "Hey, go take a victory lap." I, I think it was probably part of that, but it was also like I think he just felt like I think it's okay to do this. I think it's it, it's all right to take this little victory lap, and uh, it it felt so genuine, it felt so real, and and he felt like he was connecting with the fans, and it was just that's what made it so great. I think mm-hmm. so, um, it was a high note, high note to yeah. end the regular season on, definitely. Without a so, doubt. Um, and the, and the Predators do get two wins against this Carolina Hurricanes team, which is, uh, you know, obviously huge asterisks on what kind of wins those are. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about it because, you know, this, this Preds team has to go in and play a seven game series against a team that they just barely got two wins against. And prior to that, we're really not all that competitive against, I mean, they, they did get an overtime loss, I think. And then there were a couple, couple of games where they lost a lead or, maybe tied it or something like that. But overall, this Hurricanes team looks better on paper, is better on the ice in, in a lot of ways. So, but we have to make the case, right? I mean, like, it's not impossible for this Preds team to beat this Hurricanes team. Um, there's certain ways it has to happen. So let's, I guess let's start with the can. H- how can this Preds team beat the Hurricanes in a seven-game series? What's What are the keys to this for you? So this is not a fun one to start on, but I, there's a little bit of puck luck. Um, <laughs> get lucky. Know, well, we have to kind of get down to the reality because I think it's hard to talk about how the Predators can win first because you have to acknowledge the deficiencies. Uh, the if the Predators took their three absolute statistically best forwards and threw them on a line together, I I don't know if it even goes. You know, it's going to maybe go toe to toe with the second line for Carolina. I mean. That's that's the real big difference between these teams, is that the top six for Carolina is 
loaded compared to the top nine of Nashville. Now, the Predators have better depth and more depth options, and they've got the kind of wild, uncontrollable herd line that you never know what you're going, you know, which is just going to cause chaos. And mm-hmm. um, I can't imagine uh, that, that that we're not going to see guys like, you know, Yakov Trenin maybe getting out there, even if you have, you know, you know, healthy Richardson and cousins and sisters and stuff. I, I kind of think that you're going to see that herd line come back together. And they're, they're sort of a wild card that can make things happen. But yeah, you know, I just don't know that the firepower necessarily exists uh, without a little bit of puck luck. And okay. you know, the Predators have had that. They've had that um, in the back part of the season. They've, they've been getting the goals to go in, uh, and they've been seeing that success. And, and at the same time, you know, if Soros plays as he has been playing prior to his one night off, you know, there it, it could make things happen. Um, and I also think that because the Predators are a little bit more spread out in terms of quality, that they can run four lines that have some surprising elements on them. You know, do I like Duchesne in the third line? Not really, but having to line match against like Duchesne and, you know, Cunning or, you know, if, if you drop Arvidsson down or, you know, whatever, or pull Nick Cousins up to the third line. I mean, there's a lot that you can do to add surprises to the different line combinations that can make it difficult for Brindamore to line match against. So that may be tricky for the first two games, but the Predators may be able to play it to the advantage in the second two games um, when they get back to Nashville just to see if they can make the line matching really difficult for Carolina. Um, so, I mean, I think that that could be really advantageous. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it's, it is, I, I tr- I'm trying to find some, some belief here, but I'm just real nervous about well, this whole lot, spread of players going up against the spread of players in Carolina. So I, I, I don't, I don't think there's that, um, I think, I think I have some hope for you. I, I, I think okay. that there is definitely a bit of hope that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> And it lies with, you know, your, your very favorite UC Soros. Um, because I think that the goaltending matchup in particular favors the Preds. Now I I've read, I've read some, some different analysis of this series so far. Um, a couple of one, one in particular, uh, said that the Carolina hurricanes had the advantage in goaltending while in some ways that's true. If you look at all, you know, their two top goalies, Peter Morazic and Nadelkovich, the rookie, um, combined, those two are better than Soros and Rene combined, just based on numbers. But they have to go with one of them in net, and I, I think they're probably going to go with Morazic. That's just my guess. Um, uh, it could be Nadelkovich, I don't know. But if it is Morazic in particular, UC Soros is is a better goalie than than Peter Mrazek, even even with his recent good play. Now, here's one here's one reason I can say that pretty confidently. Peter Mrazek is currently playing significantly better than his career would suggest. He's made his he's he's 28 years old. He's been playing in the league for almost 10 years, uh, formerly with Detroit, now with Carolina, and he has pretty much always been 
around a 9-10 save percentage, 9-11 save percentage his career yeah. save. This year he's been at 9-23. Now, did he all of a sudden overnight become a Vezina caliber save percentage? Anything over 9-20, I would say, is a Vezina caliber in this day and age. Did he overnight become that? Maybe it's possible. He's 20, only 28. That's not too crazy. Uh, or is it more likely that yeah. he's gotten some some puck luck that he's played well he's played he's had an finally played in uh behind a defense that's really really good um i just feel like maybe that's not the case now you see saros has also had an above average career year but his his regular sort of career is still pretty good i mean like yeah. his, his I, normal average is is better than Morazic's normal average yeah i i think highlighting goaltending is being an advantage for the predators i think if you're putting the goal the delkovich and Morazic is saying this gives them the advantage as a tandem yeah of yeah, yeah they have better numbers as a tandem renee has not had a good season <clears throat> we know this right. but if you're looking at the starter seat now me i would go with delkovich just because I'm, yeah I, I i don't know i have I don't know. I, I have a good feeling about him. He he performed pretty well for the course of the year. I just I think he may have earned it a little bit more. It, you know, he's also played more games, so I think he may be kind of seen as the starter. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a little yeah. weird situation. But yeah. here's what I think is interesting. If you look at the goal saved against expectation or above expectation, mm-hmm. Nedeljkovic has saved almost 13 goals above what you'd expect him to save. Morazic, almost 11. Now, mm-hmm. Soros, just shy of 7 above expectation. Right. So right. even if you have all these goaltenders and they all come crashing down, let's say every goaltender who could play in this series as a starter, a legit starter, not like a rookie having to be pulled in or, or you know, a fourth choice, um, were to even out, you know, Saros has the has the le- least amount of ground that he's going to lose because you know Peck is like a minus ten, so you know you could stick him in there and actually if he got back to his average, you're golden. Yeah. But for Nedeljkovic and Mrazek, I mean those guys would be coming crashing out of earth. Now Nedeljkovic we have as much data on, um, of course he's much younger. I, but- I do wonder. I do just want to say real quick. I do wonder how much of that. UC Saros number is impacted by his first what two weeks of the season. I mean, over the last two months, it's got to be higher than seven. You know, or on, on like his rate of, of saving goals above expected average has got to be higher. I mean, it's, it's like I mean, he's definitely been one of the best goalies in the league over the last two months. Yeah, but we also be realistic <laughs> that you know with, with Saros, sometimes it just disappears. He'll play elite, and then it'll just disappear. And whatever whatever was happening for two months will just stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a thing that always worries me about his play. It's a thing that's really kept him from cementing his starting position is that he'll have long stretches of elite play followed by several weeks of kind of real struggles. Yeah. Uh, and that's been where he has not established himself. So I, I think that's a concern. That I have yeah. going to the playoffs, but I think so that's, you know that's why my my, my goaltending uh, point is that is the hope for the Predators. I mean, it, and and this is not unique to this particular series that a goaltender can can steal one for you. I mean, a goaltender goaltenders steal games in the playoffs and series and sometimes cups all on their own. I mean, it just it just happens. Um, 
so I, I think that's a big part of it. I think the defense has, has improved over the course of the season. I don't think it's great. It's, I don't think it's great. And, and a lot of that depends on who they play. If they do play Ben Harper and Erica Branson on the bottom line, that's not a great option. Uh, even though we all know it's, it's going to be mostly about the top four on defense. That's, that's who mostly plays in the playoffs. I mean, you're asking the bottom pairing to play seven, eight minutes a night. You don't want those seven, eight minutes to be terrible, but you're not asking them to go out and, and put uh, 25 minutes on the ice. So I think the defense has been better. You've got, as you said, three of the best defensemen, a combination of three best defensemen that you can't really find elsewhere in the league in Yossi, Ellis, and Ekholm. Um, if that other fourth is <clears throat> Alex Carrier, I think that's a better option than than Dante Fabro. Um, well, that's uh, clear now. I mean, if we're talking about the things that worries me, that worry me the most, it's that we're going to see a bottom pairing of like Goodbranson and Harper. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just inviting a beating. I mean, yeah, Benning has been, I, I think, the quietest, best defensive pickup of the season like he's just played good solid hockey i think sticking fabro in on onto the third pairing may be helpful um but you know i don't know that we're gonna see the best possible third pairing from the predators and when you're talking third pairings you're like in the weeds i mean everyone knows this but if you can put out a nice strong third pairing to really eat some tough minutes Man, that can make a difference in a hard series. Like I'm that just gonna, can make a difference. I'm just gonna make a prediction. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be Ekholm and Carrier. I think it's gonna be Yossi and Ellis, and I think it's gonna be Harper and Fabro on the bottom pairing. That's oh. my prediction. I mean, I that's not that's not great. I mean, uh, that's it's, not great, it's Alex. Better than Harper and Goodbranson. It's better than. Um, I mean, I. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's certainly not ideal. But I think that's. I think that's what we'll see because I think Fabro is yeah. gonna play. Um, I think the others will sit. Uh, I, I mean, Davies, I think will be a better option. Um, oh, I, uh, there's Ferentz, several rookies. Ferentz are, looked really good in his couple games. Yeah, D- Davies and Ferentz are probably both better defensemen than, right now than Dante Fabro. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing I, that you know Carrie spent so much time in the minors when Fabro was up yeah. with the with the NHL team when Carrie is clearly a more consistent defender. And further along his development. Yeah. And further along his development. He's he's yeah. he's developed like a much better defenseman. So Yeah, that um, just that just is so frustrating to me. The only other thing I would say a reason why they can win the series is uh in addition to goaltending and defense has improved a little bit, is that depth depth scoring is showing finally some signs of life. Now I, I would agree with you in that the, the Carolina forward group far out far exceeds the Nashville forward group, but you know, we've already talked about the fourth line. I think the fourth line is a huge part of that. But even, I mean, I mean, Matt Duchesne has has shown signs of life recently. Matt Duchesne's kind of come back. Maybe he's finally gonna. You know, he's been underlying. His underlying numbers have been fine all year. Is it finally time for him to get yeah. some of that production out there? So yeah, and there's there's space for him. Like you know, if you look at you know the uh, the Grandland Yarncroke Cunning you know grouping or something like that. Uh-huh. Drop Cunning down to the third line. Put put Duchesne up with that yeah. second line. Like let yeah, him exactly. let him play together. I mean, that bizarre lineup of what was it? Uh, Johansson and Forsberg, Duchesne that we saw on Monday. I mean, that yeah. actually worked. It was great. Yeah, that actually like that's a lot of big bodies and a lot of guys who can do some fancy things with the puck. Uh, 
They scored three goals. I mean, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe you see that come back. I mean, I don't, I don't know that Duchesne's going to stay buried in the third line. I, you're, this is the same thing that drove me nuts with guys like Craig Smith. Now, Craig Smith obviously didn't have the issues with the scoring, but when a player is struggling to score points, putting him with worse line mates does not help him score points. Yeah, right, yeah. So if your goal is to motivate Matt Duchesne and get him scoring and generating offense, sticking with guys who can't generate offense doesn't make any damn sense. But coaches like live by this for some reason. You know, I wonder, you know, P- Peter Laviolette did this. It, I'm sorry, let me back up. In previous years, Peter Laviolette would, ro- if you remember this, he would lo- he would roll out a a somewhat different lineup in the playoffs from from his regular season. I mean, like that's how the the Mike Fisher, Will, uh, Colin Wilson, James Neal line came to life. It was it was put together in the playoffs, and and I think the Jofa line was the same way. I think that that was not only came together late in the season. Um, I wonder if if John Hines is going to do something like that, and I I almost wonder like what you just said about Johansson Duchesne because because Arvidsson is a, a question mark in terms of injury. He might not play, and yeah. if why not put Duchesne there? I mean, he has he's not you know, or or you know what you suggested about putting him with Granlund is not a bad idea either. But I, it does make you wonder: is he going to try that? Is he going to put Duchesne with Johansson and Forsberg? Because that is a line that could compete. I mean, that line every time they come out there, you're like. I'm expecting a goal to happen now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and, you know, and, and I, I think guys out Sorry, there yeah. like, like Trennan uh, can, they've got still got potential. They can throw the body around. They can get things to happen. I mean, Janot has been good. Like he's staked himself out as a real player. <laughs> like, there are no, options. Very good. There are yeah. options. Like if Arbison isn't ready to go, okay, great. Well, I mean, you have you have your top lines figured out. You need don't need Arbison for your top six, and he's not really going to bring a ton to your bottom six. So get get the energy guys out there who can also generate offense. There, I kind of look at the Trennans and the Genos as long as with like a somewhat revitalized Sissons or even Cousins play a more like modern pest game because like mm-hmm. you, the fourth line used to be your pests you know your your brawler and guys who basically only hit and are you know a minute away from becoming like the next matt cook mm-hmm. um now <laughs> i think these guys are trained and raised in the hockey world differently where they hit that point where like okay i'm not the next you know, 30, 40 goal score in the NHL. But I have good, like I have hands. I can skate pretty good. I can throw my body around. Let's get strong. Let's learn how to read the game. And let's be a just kind of an all around kind of end to end hockey player. And I, Heinz has something with, and I keep using the herd line because I just, it's inundated from watching so many games. Yeah. That plays kind of like a full rink game. And they do it pretty consistently, and they seem to get a lot of joy from doing it. And they're not playing a complicated game, so it's easy to replicate. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something that's going to be really advantageous to the Predators. It's, I f- like, it feels kind of dumb, Alex, sitting here being like, yeah, big difference makers, third-pairing defenseman, and that fourth chaos <laughs> line. Um, but those that's where you get depth scoring from, right? That's where you mm-hmm. where guys have to grind out minutes so your your big guns can rest a little bit. Yeah. And if 
those guys break or those guys get overwhelmed or they get a bad line match and they have to go against guys they're not ready to go against. You know, what? what is... If you throw... Oh, yeah, Matthew Olivier played and he's doing... He's out there again. That's another factor. Like, what's Olivier going to do if you throw him on the ice with Ajo? He's going he's to run him over. Right. Great. Right, right, now, right. now, like, <laughs> sure, he's not, like, making the courses happen, but he and is then, running over to the star players and not letting them have the puck. <laughs> and in the, in a road game <clears throat> where you you uh, you have to put your line on the ice first and the, the home team gets to match it, you're not as um, mismatched in those situations. You know, if you if he puts if he puts the fourth line out there and uh, old um, what's his name, the coach for the Hurricanes, Brendamore, Brendamore. Uh, goes with this top line, you don't feel like, oh no, here comes here comes trouble. You do feel like this is a this is a line that can can match with them, or at least as you said, run them over. <clears throat> so that's a great point, and uh, yeah, that, that there's there's a lot to that. But speaking of which, let's talk about how they cannot win this series, which I feel like we've kind of already touched on. Yeah, it's bit. hard to separate. It's hard to separate them. Yeah, um, but I think that, to to me, it is about Carolina's speed. Uh, on the blue line and speed on at, at forward, um, they in particular they have two players that are extremely fast: Aho and Terbinen, and and Svechnikov is fast as well. Trocheck is a different kind of player; he's a, a bigger, more of just a, a kind of he's not a speed guy, but he can definitely he, he can skate. Um, plenty of other guys: uh, uh, Nino Niederreiter, Martin Nikash, Nekish. I, I'm not sure how you say his name. Uh, Jesper Fast, who is fast. <clears throat> Fost, maybe is how you say it. Uh, there, there's yeah, a lot Fost. of guys that are a lot of guys that skate up and down the ice, just all over the place. And so there, there's, it's not easy to find a slow player in that mix. Um, so that speed is the one thing that's gonna gonna really be tough to deal with, and um, especially the defense. So um, I also it, the other thing is special teams. Special teams heavily favor, favors Carolina. Um, Power play is top notch. Penalty kill is really tough to crack. I mean, top top ten special teams teams. Uh, sorry, top ten special teams for Carolina. Definitely not top ten special teams for for Nashville. Yeah. That's a that's a mismatch. So yeah, and as much as we harp on it, and this is such a cliche, but the Predators have a hit, have trouble sometimes staying out of the box. Um, you know, as much <laughs> as you get enthusiasm from some of the bottom six players, they tend to take a lot of penalties. And then I'm going to start immediately harping on decisions for the third pairing defenseman, even, even depending on who's going to be playing with Ekholm as his partner. These guys are ones they get turned trying to get back and defend, especially if it's a fast player. They reach with the stick that, you know, they, they give up a, a penalty, a power play to the hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes down to that speed thing. This is, this is just, I think as far as, how the game evolves in the ice is going to be really tough for the Predators because even things like if they do not have, they being the Predators here, have super tight line changes, they can get burned by Carolina instantly. If your line change is not perfect, Carolina can get the right guys out there with speed to make you pay for it. Um, And they have two lines that can do that. Uh, and they also have some good experienced uh, players who have been there, have a ton of of playoff scars they've battled through. Sure. Um, 
even though this is a fairly this is not an old team um like young, their whole yeah. core like their core are either like in, in their early 20s or in their primes of their career uh, yeah it's it is it is a lot to handle and it is going to be difficult i was just thinking about you know if, if i was to name the, the the best player for each team right now I would say I would say for Carolina, it's Aho, Sebastian Aho. Um, he just is a freak athlete, does things with the puck no one else can do, scores what he wants. It's he's just crazy to watch and, and super fast. Um, uh, and then for the Predators, I think it's I think it's UC Soros. So two two Finnish players are uh, at the top of the list for each team. Um, you know, you can make an argument for uh, Jacob Slavin for the uh, for the for the Hurricanes. Well, how, why would you do that when Dougie Hamilton is there is <laughs> is on the ice? I mean, Dougie Hamilton is like <laughs> top ten defenseman in the league. He's very easily. good. Yeah, I mean, well, I think Slavin because like I mean, the the dude plays so many minutes and he's also like very very good. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't. You're not wrong. I mean, he's he's very. Yeah, I Very mean good. the the Hamilton Slavin pairing is so good. Very good. Yeah, so, that's so a good. that's a solid pairing. Um, Trocheck is a guy that like you know kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he was very good in, in Florida, but like I didn't. No one saw this coming for him. So, um, anyways, but I I think it's I think it's between one of those ones that we mentioned, and then for the Predators, I think it's you know obviously Roman Yossi's in that conversation, but I think right now it's UC Soros. So like Soros slash UC um sorry Soros. Slash Roman Yossi is your top, your best, best players. I mean, it's not a competition of just your best players against your best players, but um, looking at that, I, you know, I, I, dare, I dare say that that it, hockey is a competition between your best players uh, when you get down to it. Well, but it, there's other I'm people on the just... ice that have. There's other people on the ice that have to do stuff. <laughs> that have to. Uh... Hey, there, there's some players with very long careers who have proved that is not true. That's true. Yeah, right. We saw a lot of them play in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> number um, one overall pick radic bonk uh <laughs> so we don't know the playoff schedule it has not come out yet that's kind of odd because you know i think a lot of people thought it would be out by now um, uh, don't, but don't we have don't we have a regular season game and a playoff game happening in the same day that's already happening i mean like what the, the boston washington series already has game one set for saturday yeah and there's a regular season. I think I think Vancouver's still playing still playing yeah, makeup games, even Vancouver though and, yeah. they can't right. actually you know no, qualify they're, for they're the playoffs. Games. I, I think the only thing it's Vancouver and Calgary are playing like three more times. Yeah. And I think the only thing on the line is who's gonna have a higher draft pick. I think that's it. I mean, they, they neither of them can make the playoffs, but so yeah, that's weird, but I think they just there's no way around that. It's, they just have to deal with that. NHL. I th- I have a feeling that you know if we had found out by now I think it would have been Sunday game one would have been Sunday but I'm feeling now that it could be Monday next Monday for game one which would put two game two next Wednesday and then game three and four in Nashville Friday and Sunday but that that's not official or anything I, I'm just that's just my speculation guess, yeah it's speculation to, who knows the NHL is always full of delightful surprises but um, so what what is your I mean. I know that we don't have uh, <laughs> we don't like to do predictions here. We don't like to you know say that oh it's this is my pick for the final score. But if you, if I was to force you to make a prediction in this series on who wins and in how many games, which I am now forcing you to do, 
what what would you go with? Who who wins and in how many games do they win? I'm gonna go with um I I think I think riding high I'm gonna say Carolina in six. I think I'm riding real high in the Predators right now. I'm gonna say Carolina in six. I am gonna go with Nashville in six. Mm. I think that's a home that six game will be a home game. I think Nashville wins at home to clinch it. That's my that's my I, guess. I, I think Sorrow steals two games. Uh-huh. Uh but and that's not it? enough. Okay. Interesting. So we, we we both think it's gonna be a longer series, but one thinks one direction and I think the other. So here hey, I, I think that my my first impulse was was Carolina in five, but I'm like, no, I'm not feeling that. <laughs> I'm not feeling Carolina in five. So let's go let's go Carolina in six. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, I think the plan is that we will uh, we will definitely keep recording um, as long as the the president of the playoffs. I, I think we'll probably just stick to once a week now. I mean, we'll wait a couple games. Maybe we'll maybe we'll re- start recording on Wednesdays now, and, and if that's if that's how things shake out, and we'll see. We'll just play it by ear, but we will definitely keep recording um, as long as the Preds are in it. And then once they're not in it, maybe we'll do like a conclusion conclusion episode where we kind of wrap everything up. So. We'll just play a we'll play a sad, you know, French horn and Are French horns yeah. sad? I mean if you play the right song. I don't song, know that yeah. they're not sad. I mean can you play <laughs> can you play minor chords on it or minor <laughs> notes? I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well I mean you we'll can you can French... make a trumpet sad. You can make a trombone sad. Let's get a French horn player in here to interview them about this very topic. Yeah, we, we need a hockey fan, a hockey fan, French, a French horn playing hockey fan. There's got to be one the out show. there. Oh there's yeah, there's probably one. several. <laughs> they probably they probably love an opportunity to come on and infuse these things together. <clears throat> exactly. The organists who get all the attention in <laughs> hockey, so they need to change that up. Perfect. All right. Well, you can check all of our hockey coverage out at a to z sportsnashville.com. Follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. Follow Link on Twitter at 3DLink. And we will see you next week.